Well, uh, we're starting out in um, January. We typically do with some kind of prayer focus. Uh, Many of you who've been around for a while have been a part of that in the past. We have done several years where we've done like a 21-day church-wide different emphases. Um, And this year, we we are going through a series that's called Speak Up, Listen Up which is about cultivating a uh, prayer uh, life with God, maybe um, trying things that you haven't tried before when it comes to prayer or exploring what it looks like to, um, to just build up a, a prayer life in, in different ways. And, uh, and so I'm excited to do that, and uh, I'm actually basing it on a book, um, very loosely on the book, or at least the title is on a book. It's called Speak Up, Listen Up. And it was actually, it's written by a, a friend of mine, a mentor of mine. His name is Chuck Davis. He's a, he was a pastor right uh, down in Greenwich area. And he was a teacher when I was going to seminary. And uh, he, he handed out this book to me a while back, and I just got so much out of it. And I thought, you know what, if someone was just kind of going in, knowing hardly anything about prayer, this is such a good way um, to just understand things. Um, very broad, very user-friendly. So, um, so I called him up and told him, hey, I kind of want to just do something based on your book. Have you ever done that before? And he said, no, but um, I think it's a great idea. We talked about it a little bit. And I even got him to come. So he's going to be here in a couple of weeks, uh, which I'm excited to introduce him to you guys and to have him share his heart. But his book is available. I just asked him, could I just buy a box of your books? So I bought a box of his books. Um, they're out front on the welcome table. If you'd like to grab one, um, I think they're $15 each, and um, you can just uh, figure that out with the uh, greeters up front. And uh, it's just a great thing to go through. Um, and what we're going to do is typically we start our life group season back up. Our winter semester usually starts up in a week or two. We're going to delay that until the end of January, beginning of February. And what we're going to do through January, uh, not this week, but starting next week, is just have weekly um, prayer gatherings. Um, I don't want to call it a prayer meeting because that conjures up very particular things in people's minds, depending on what background you come from, Uh, but gatherings where we can explore some of these things and do it together and really practice corporate prayer in a way that oftentimes we don't get the chance to do. So I'm excited about that. You will hear more about it. And uh, what I want to do this morning is just open it up with a prayer for the new year. Um, I want to look at uh, a prayer from the book of Psalms. So this is one of the things about prayer is that, you know, sometimes we think like, I've got to come up with my own words. I've got I've to think this through. It's all going to be spontaneous. But You know, God's given us this book. Um, The book of Psalms is a book of prayers. And it's written by, uh, many of them are written by David. They're written in different times and different seasons of life, facing different kinds of things. And uh, it's just a beautiful thing to be able to open up that book. And when you're not sure how to pray to God, you can go to the book of Psalms and uh, probably find something that's going to correspond very close to whatever situation, whatever burden is on your heart. And so I want to look at this, uh, this Psalm um, 16. And uh, if you have a Bible, you can open up there. I'm just going to start out with the first two verses. 
And it says this, keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Stop right there. This, this prayer, um, it starts out in a very similar way to many of our prayers, I think. It's a, it's a prayer that's asking God for protection. God, keep us safe. Pre- preserve my life are the words that David uses. And, and don't we find ourselves just praying that kind of prayer all the time on an ongoing basis? Uh, not only for ourselves, but also for the ones that we love. And we just realize we need protection. And, and it's probably fitting as we step into this new year uh, to do that, right? And to ask God to continue to guard our lives, to be our protector, because we understand, we recognize that, that we just can't calculate all the variables out there, all the things that are going to take place, even in the course of looking forward in this year ahead. We realize all too well that we do live in this beautiful, wonderful world, but this world that we live in is oftentimes also, it's a dangerous place. There's just a lot of risks. There's a lot of threats. There's a lot of challenges. They come in all shapes and sizes. And the thing is, we don't always see them coming. And oftentimes, we can't do anything to prevent them. And so we pray, preserve my life. Preserve me from these threats, whether they're health threats or financial threats or relational threats. There's so many different variables that have the potential to just take us down and and do us in. And so David prays, preserve me, O Lord, for in you I take refuge. That word refuge kind of just, it's, it's, a, it's a very deep imagery. It kind of reminds me that every one of us are running somewhere. We are running to someone or to something to mitigate the risks, to find that place of refuge. Get me to a place that's safe. And in this prayer, it's a declaration that says, Lord, I'm running to you. God, you are my safe place. You are the one that I'm depending on to keep my life afloat. I'm not able to do it on my own. And, and, and he says, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. It's this declaration that in light of all of these unknowns, all of these risks, all of these variables, God is the only good thing that we have going for us. And keep in mind this this is a prayer prayed from a king, right? King David, uh, one of the greatest kings in the course of world history, a guy who had a whole lot more than any of us are ever going to have. And what he's saying is that I'm not counting on my money to preserve me. I'm not, I'm not running to my accomplishments to keep me safe. He understands that his titles and his privileges, they can't give him what he ultimately needs. The only thing, the only place he has to turn to is God. It's the only good thing that he, has, he had going for him. And, and ultimately, the Lord is the only good thing we have going for us. Because if we take God out of the equation and we just can't find the 
the kind of shelter, the kind of refuge, the safety that we need. And so, and so we can affirm that this morning. We can start off this new year with this declaration of dependence and just say, we need you, Lord, to be our safe place to turn to. And, and we can resolve uh, to run to him. And so as we do that, as we take shelter in the Lord, we find out that he does give us uh, what we need. There is no safer place to be. And the prayer goes on and unpacks four of the good things that we find when we make the Lord our refuge, when we run to him as our safe place. And so let's look through them. Um, the first of these four things is companions. It says, it says this, as for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. I will not pour out their libations of blood or take up their names on my lips. So David is just saying here, he's, he's delighting in the people God has placed in his life. That he rejoices that there were saints in the land. That there were people around him who loved God and who were a part of his life. And they were living their lives together unto the Lord. And, and that's the gift. That's the good news is that there are saints in the land, right? We can even look out in this room and rejoice that we're not on our own, that we have brothers and sisters in the Lord who are gifts from God, and he gives them to us to, to rely on, to depend on, and to delight in. And so, you know what, this year ahead, it may be easy. It may be hard. It's likely for most of us to be a combination, a mixed bag of both of those things. But for any of us here, if we're setting our sights on, we want to live our lives unto the Lord, right? We want to honor God in the year ahead. We know that that's a choice to go against the flow. It goes against the currents of our culture. And so when you find another person maybe two other people who can walk that walk alongside you, that's precious. There, there is no price tag you can put on having people like that in your life. And it's also recognizing here that there's a need to choose our companions uh, carefully, right? Not, that not everyone is going in the same direction, and, and David addresses that. He's well aware. He says, there are those who are running after other gods and he says their sorrow is going to increase. And, and it doesn't matter what the false god is, whether it's chasing the god of success or the idol of sex or bowing down at the temple of materialism, the reality is the same, that over the course of time, those things are going to erode our lives. That road is littered with sorrow, and the farther down that road you go, the greater the sorrows become. So David's just saying, I don't want to go down that road. That's, that's not the crowd I want to surround myself with, and I do not want to set foot on that, on that path to compromise. And so we, when we, we realize that, you know, if you get to that place where you just resolve, I don't want to just live a compromised life. I want to live a no-compromised, God-honoring life when you do that, you immediately identify how precious fellowship is. It's when you realize that there's this amazing gift that God gives us, other people 
saints in the land to live it out with together. We call it fellowship, and we make a pretty big deal about that here at Lakeview. It's, a, it's the means through which we can encourage each other, we can challenge each other, we can come alongside each other, build each other up, spur each other on, and that's what God gives us when we take shelter in Him, and it's something we all need, and so let's just cherish the companions that God's placed in our lives. They are the glorious ones in whom is all our delight. I want to encourage you to embrace God's gift of community in this year ahead. Um, It is a big part of what church is all about. And uh, maybe up to this point, you've just showed up right on a Sunday morning service. Um, You've kind of tuned in, listened in, and then left. And so I want to challenge you and encourage you to connect as well. Uh, Connect to community because we're not meant to do it on our own. And there's this precious gift that God gives us of companions. So that's, that's the first. Let's keep reading along with companionship. David, in this prayer, is celebrating the contentment that he finds in the shelter of the Lord. He says, Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Let me ask you right now, what is your contentment level look like? How content are you on this first day of 2023? Um, Can we look out on the landscape of our lives and say the words of this prayer and make them our own? That, Lord, you have assigned to me my portion in my cup. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. It's another another way of saying, I'm good. I'm content, I'm satisfied. The world we live in is kind of hardwired for discontentment, isn't it? Right? There's this like steady drip of messages that we hear all the time that tell us we don't have enough. That in order to be happy, we need this product or or that service or this style of life. That's what will make us happy. And it just feeds this dissatisfaction in our soul that the way things are right now is not good. And the key to being happy is always just having more. And I remember there was a survey done years ago that asked people from every different socioeconomic category, you know, whether it was poverty or, or, you know, well, well well-to-do, how much more do you need? And the answer for every category was the same. It's just a little bit more. That's that's the poison that drips into our souls. And so in the midst of that, God is holding out this gift of contentment for us to grab hold of. How do we grab hold of it? How do we cultivate contentment in our lives? It starts out with, with seeing our lives through the lens of God's sovereignty how David kind of articulates it here. He recognized that the details of his life, it wasn't the outcome of good luck or or random chance or, wow, the universe must be happy with me. He saw God in the details. He says, Lord, you are the one who has, what? He says, assigned me my portion. 
He's been assigned to a particular place. The responsibilities he had, the titles he held, the opportunities he seed, every aspect of his life, he realized that it was ultimately the outcome of God's sovereignty, his design, his, his assignment. The sovereign hand of God was superintending the details of his life, bringing him to the, exactly the place he was, and it was a good place. And make no mistake, God is doing the same in your life and my life. So does contentment require that we have everything we want? Absolutely not. If that were the case, we're never going to be content. In fact, David even describes it, there's limits, there's boundary lines. But he says, look around in these boundary lines that you've given me. Limits are good. I'm at a good place. You know, discontentment is killed through gratitude. It's the attitude that says, I am not going to define my life by everything that's not happening the way that I want it to. I'm choosing to define it by how much God has already given, all of the ways he's already blessed me, all of the good that he's already done, and just thanking him for the place he's brought me to. Please don't wait until your life looks picture perfect to be content. You'll be waiting for a lifetime. It's fascinating. David wrote this prayer, and his life story is basically in this book. We read about it, and you know what? It wasn't picture perfect. There was a whole lot of turmoil. There was a whole lot of conflict. There was a whole lot of unrest, but he understood that God was in the details, that he wasn't just far off in the distance, removed, but he was right there in the middle of it. God gave us eyes to see that in this year ahead, and it could change everything if we do. So that's the, the second thing that we find when we seek shelter in the Lord. We find companions, we find contentment. And the next thing that he talks about in this prayer is the counsel that God provides uh, to navigate us through the p- complexities of life. He says, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. How many of you know here this morning, right now, today, on this very first day of 2023, that this year ahead, at some point, things are going to get a little complicated, right? Things are bound to go sideways at some point. Maybe you're there, right? It's day one, and you just, man, this is where I'm at. We get there early. We get there often. We're in over our heads, and sometimes we're just Not sure, where do we go from here? What does the next step look like? What am I supposed to do? I don't know. That was very much the story of David's life. And what he found that he was just in over his head, that what he was experiencing was nothing like what he had planned for his life. He turned to the Lord and he found that the Lord was always there. Every time he sought after the Lord, he would receive the God's guidance every step along the way. And so maybe uh, you don't feel like you know what to do next, how to take that next step. Uh, realize that God's promise is not that we never hit these moments where we don't know what to do. 
God's promise is not that our life never goes sideways. His promise is that no matter where we are, no matter what it is we're working through, that he is always there. And that as we turn to him, he will give us the guidance we need and lead us to take at least the next step, right? Maybe not the next 15, 20 steps, but at least the next step. God, you counsel me. You counsel me. Even at night, my heart instructs me, he says. See, our God, he's not a silent God. He's a God who speaks. He's a God who guides. He's a God who directs. He, he cares about what's going on in your life right now. And he doesn't leave us on our own. He guides us. One of the ways is with his word. So we open up this book and we find out his truth. That's we, the Holy Spirit uses this book to speak his truth into our lives. He also guides us through wisdom, through just learning and life experiencing, and, and sometimes just through fellowship, through the wisdom of others. Hey, I don't know what to do, and someone else comes alongside, and they can give us that help that we need. He gives us his Holy Spirit, who Jesus calls the Counselor. He comes and makes his home inside of our lives and speaks truth to us and directs us in a personal and a profound way. And so David, he learned uh, how to tap into that still small voice of the Lord, right? How to, how to get away, how to shut out all the noise, turn off all the distractions and carve out space to open up his heart to God and listen and hear him speak. You know, the issue is never that God doesn't speak. He is always speaking. The issue is that we need to learn how to listen. We need to make space to hear his voice. We need to shut off all the noise and the distractions and listen and learn and open up his word. And hopefully we'll be able to do that. And and maybe if we've done that in the past, it's just that, opportunity to just reinforce that and keep going at it. The goodness of God is seen in the guidance that he gives to his people. From my own experience, um, what I found in my own life is that as I, I look back on previous chapters of my life, that's, that's when I see how the Lord has led me. Typically, when I'm moving forward, I just kind of like, I just see the next step Lord, you've given me that, and I'm taking this step of obedience. I have no idea where this is going. But then I look back, and I can find out and say, Lord, you were leading me all the way. Thank you for getting through, getting me through what seemed like an impossible situation. And I can't take any credit for it. Lord, you are so good. Thank you for protecting my life. Maybe there's some of you here who could just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's my story too. That's... All the way my Savior leads me, that's what it's all about, you know. The more we just build up this track record of trusting God, of hearing, of listening, and then taking that next step of obedience, that's where we kind of build up our faith and our confidence to, to face the future, to face the challenges that we're going through, and not in fear, but in faith. Because the same God who has guided you up to this point He's going to continue to guide you. He's going to keep on giving you the counsel you need every step along the way, no matter what. 
And that's the last theme of this, uh, of this, of this prayer, is what it closes with, celebrating the, the confidence that God has given in our lives, this, this faithful and present God, not just in the moments of the life um, that we have on earth or even, even past that moment um, when our life is over. It says here, um, therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My, God, my body will also rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And so there's this rejoicing in the present that's based on understanding and being confident about the future. And that's a precious gift from God. That is something that God does and he gives to our lives. It's the, it's the hope of the Christian life. And what it means is there is the confidence that the grave is not the end, right? That, that death will one day come knocking on the door of every one of our lives. I don't know when it's going to be, but we all know that day will come. And here's the thing. If we have this idea of blessing, right? We throw out this word blessing. I want to be blessed in this year ahead. We just got to make sure that the way that we're packing that word, the meaning we're packing into that word, it's got to go beyond just, I want everything to work out. I don't want to have any challenges. I want to stay healthy and I want to get stuff, right? That's, that's the typical American way of defining blessing. Blessing in this book is defined as having an eternal hope to hold on to, one that goes beyond the grave. It's something we all need. And here's the thing, it's something only God can give. And the reality is there are so many who live their lives, not only scared to death, but scared of death. And yet, here's this, here's this prayer that's basically rejoicing in that day. David has this confidence that at the moment of his last breath, when that day arrives, the Lord is going to be right there. He's going to be leading his people into that place of unspeakable joy in his presence forever. Or as the Apostle Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. See, if you made God your shelter, if you've trusted in Christ, you understand that death is simply the doorway. It's the transition that ushers us into God's presence. I hope that on this first day of this new year, you can check off the list of all of your concerns and worries, your eternal destination, that that's settled, that that one is figured out. And that comes from understanding, um, from, from recognizing that this prayer This was a prophetic prayer. It's not a prayer that just applied to David. It's not a prayer that just applies to us, but this was a prayer that was specifically pointing to Jesus. He is the Holy One of God, who the Lord, his Father, would not allow to see decay. He went to the cross. He died. He he bared our burdens for our sins, for the sins of the world, but he didn't stay in the grave. The Father rose him back to life everlasting, and three days later, he resurrected from the grave. 
And that's how we know. That's where our confidence comes from, that as we trust in Jesus, we know that our sins were paid for, our forgiveness was won, and we know that since our Savior rose, we're going to as well. That one's settled. That's good. You will not abandon me to the grave. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And so to end uh, by just going back to the beginning, there's this, there's some kind of safe place we're all running to. We live in a world that's wonderful and dangerous. We look forward in this new year and recognize that there is so much that is out of our control. And so we entrust ourselves to a Savior, to a God who is big enough to take care of us, to safeguard our lives, to be our refuge. And there is no better place for us to be than to be found in him. So let's run to him. Let's be found in him and receive his providence, his protection, everything that he has in store of us today and every day throughout this year. Pray with me.